CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. We are so excited to share a new podcast series joining the Start of Canada Podcast Network, born out of the Rural on Purpose host takeover in April. Shauna Ray, founder of media company Radar Media and career-long broadcast journalist, will be taking a weekly dive into the topic of rural entrepreneurship across Canada in the all-new Rural Women Podcast. Follow along for updates at startupcan.ca. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Chow Louie on our show today. Chow is the co-owner, along with her sister Trang, of Paris Jewelers, a proudly Canadian Vietnamese women-owned and operated jewelry company focused on community partnerships, customer experience, and supporting women. The company has a 90% women workforce. Paris Jewelers started in a 400-square-foot space in St. Albert, Alberta, and with Chow's leadership, has grown to 23 stores across four Canadian provinces with over 200 employees. Paris Jewelers aims to spread joy while making a difference in the community. During the pandemic, they've raised over 100,000 meals for Food Banks Canada, $30,000 for the Make-A-Wish Canada Foundation, over $31,000 for the Matriarch Movement, and $10,000 for Ronald McDonald House Charities. Chow is on the board of directors for the Canadian Jewelers Association, was Global's Women of Vision in 2018, one of Edify's top 40 under 40 in 2020, and was a featured speaker at this year's Women and Wealth Virtual Gala on International Women's Day. Chow is passionate about the latest jewelry trends, a fierce leader, and mother. Welcome to the show, Chow. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive into your entrepreneurial journey, Chow. I'm so curious to, to know how things started for you, because uh, you were involved with the company with Paris Jewelers since you were young. Uh, but walk us through the moment that you and your sister became the co-owners um, and what this scaling process has looked like in this colorful entrepreneurial journey, I can, can imagine. Right. Um, so 
you know, I started with the company before my sister. And when I started, we had, I want to say nine stores. And, you know, we were just in the middle of growth. Even though I had started at the company very young, I always hung out in the store and I got to see customers. And I really fell in love with that customer experience then and how we would make customers feel, you know, right from the moment that they picked out that perfect piece. But I started early and the the plan was to you know, to expand. So we had nine stores. And I remember my first out of town store opening was in actually in Regina, Saskatchewan. And that's where I really learned um, that opening a store had so many layers and so many facets. And it was a lot of learning and it was a lot of failing. And after we opened a couple more stores, I, um, my sister wasn't working for the company at the time, I actually had to recruit her in because I really needed her skill set. She has something that I don't have. <laughs> so I recruited her in and then we continued um, with the growth of the company really opening um, in more malls in different provinces and different cities. Amazing. I love that. Identifying, you know, she has something that I don't have. That sense of awareness and, you know, bringing in that expertise is a very great tip that you don't have to be an expert on all things when you're when you're building businesses. That's a great piece of advice there. For sure. So what does a typical day look like for you as a jewelry designer and in this space? Walk us through what that looks like. You know, I am um, because I, I, I do in my company wear so many hats. I love the jewelry design aspect, but I also run the business. So I do schedule time to look at trends and design and really go through feedback with our stores um, and our employees to ask what works, what diff- what doesn't work. Um, what I think is really, really important as a designer and as people who want to be creative is we have to do the things that we love. But if you want to turn your product and sell your product, you have to look at the data. It's so important. I think sometimes where I failed early on as um, a designer or as someone who dealt with the merchandise quite a bit is I would just often go towards the things that I liked, right? Because, you know, there's a safety in there and I like it. But I really started to, like, we really started early on to look at the data, look at what sold, how long it took to sold, and really measured it that way before we introduced new things. Because we have to look at, okay, what does it cost to put a product in our stores? Um, The real estate it takes in our store, our customer is going to purchase it. Because if we don't have good sell through, then things start, you know, going on sale or on clearance. So that was something that I learned early on that is so helpful that you have to look at the data. Mm, I completely agree with that. And it takes a lot of courage, right? That, yeah, you're sort of getting out of your comfort zone, going beyond what you might be, um, you know, prioritizing as a potential consumer and seeing what your audience really needs. Um, and, and taking off those rose-colored glasses can be a challenge sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everybody has a different look. Everybody wants mm. different things. And at the end of the day, we're here to serve the customers that choose us every mm. single day. I love that. So looking at the data, tip number one, um, what other advice would you give an aspiring entrepreneur who is either looking at the jewelry space, looking at product-based businesses where they would have similar challenges? Um, what other key tips through your journey of trial and error would you would you also recommend to our audience? Um, I would recommend to, to start small. So for example, if you're, mm. you know, um, you want to enter a space, really do your research on what is working and make tight collections you know um sometimes where we failed where we would open a collection and we'd we'd have so many styles and sometimes that overwhelms the customer so one of the biggest tips i have is start with really tight collections two to three styles to really test it out you know test it measure it if you fail iterate try it again um and i think that there's so many avenues especially these days with um 
with social media, you can sell online. So I think that that is a huge benefit for jewelry companies starting out. I think before when we started, we were so brick and mortar, we had to have you know, a retail space that comes with rent and building a store. You don't have that. So you could certainly try um, off social media and online first, right? Before making that huge investment, if you wanted to open a brick and mortar store. I see lots of opportunity there. Yeah. And, and especially with going global, um, that, you know, a lot of Canadian retailers, especially in fashion, in the design sectors, um, you know, are, are painted as being potentially small scale if they are relying on, you know, a local brick and mortar store that, that profiles their products, but that limits their potential global competitiveness. Um, how, how do you see things shaping up in the retail space and that growth over both the country through e-commerce, but the opportunities that that presents for aspiring entrepreneurs working in the space? Gosh, like, you know, during this time, you know, everybody's had to do different things and we hear the word pivot a lot and, oh and it's so true. <laughs> but, but I have seen, I think in the last 16 months, the most opportunity because we can, I never dreamed like 15 years ago or 10 years ago that I could sell my products um, outside of Canada, right? Like I always felt like if I didn't have a store, like how am I going to, you know, reach reach Ontario or reach any any other province but now with being online you can reach so many different people in so many different places and I think that that is the huge opportunity and what I see in terms of growth is we have to move fast we have to be very agile we have to see what's working but if we can really um, iterate fast and we can show customers what they want and why they're connected to our brand, there's really so much opportunity. Mm, amazing. And I, what I love about Paris Jewelers is not only that that customer um, prioritization, you see that so much with the products, but internally, you've done such an incredible job um, with you know your corporate culture and positioning you know everyone from an assistant manager to a brand ambassador um, onto your website, you know, practically under the Meet the Family page, um, but just showing that that employee gratitude as well and that that intrinsic corporate culture. What advice do you have for our entrepreneurs um, around building great employees and retaining employees um, that are really aligned with your brand as an employer? Gosh, I think this is something we work at all the time. I think it's something that we need to, we've gotten better at it, but we need to continue to get better and really focus on it. And I think that work for us started probably about 10 years ago. And no, I think like you shift your business and you shift your mindset when something happens, right? And there are moments that you think, why is this happening to me? But it's it's happening for you, right? Like, so we had, you know, 10 years ago, every single year we have a holiday party and we invite people to our party, um, like our employees, and we really honor them and we really want to celebrate them. And it's before the holiday season. And then we, you know, end it with our award ceremony. So, you know, this was a year that I'd opened so many stores. I'd opened five stores that year and I was tired. I remember working like 18 hour days and we weren't doing it the right way, I'm sure, but we, we were really tired. So imagine every two months you're, you know, building a store, you know, getting products, hiring staff, finding staff, um, having like finding staff and training them. And it's just every two months we're doing it. My sister and I retired, but we had our party and we're so looking forward to it. And at the party, um, every single employee of ours leaves with a jewelry item. We want to thank them and really honor them. Then I had someone come up to me and I thought they were coming up to me to thank me for the jewelry gift, mm. but they actually came up to me to say, oh, like, ciao, I don't love this. Can you exchange it for me or can I get a refund? Yeah, wow. I, was, I was shocked. <laughs> I, you know, and I was like, 
So I, at the time, I was like, well, no, I'm not going to refund it. There's so many people in different walks of life that will never receive jewelry for Christmas or ever, I, like donate it. Mm -hmm. So I was mad, but I didn't want to show it. It was a party, right? And then somebody else mm -hmm. came up to me and did the same thing. So then I was getting really upset at our holiday party. I went home that night and I thought about things. And, um, you know, at first I was upset. I didn't say anything to my sister, but then like, I know this to be true, you know, when you're pointing one finger at somebody, you're pointing three at yourself. And I looked, took a look, long, hard look in the mirror and I said, what have I done to really identify to our team members our vision and what behaviors we expect? And I couldn't really answer that clearly. So in that moment, and this was in 2010, Trang and I had a conversation. We said, okay, so this is our responsibility. It's our company. So we decided that we would say no to every single opportunity that came our way, including a new store, a new anything until we fix this. So that's why for us, um, you know, the culture, our corporate culture, our values are so important to us because there was something that really for us happened that said we had to fix this. So I'm sorry, going back to your question, <laughs> um, that's why the culture is so important. So from there, we really define our vision, our values, our mission. And it's ongoing work for us. It's been 10 years and we still put a focus and we still try to find ways to make it better as we grow. Because as you have more employees with the company, you kind of lose touch because communication gets harder. So it's something we've really been focused on. I, there's so much to unpack in, in your answer to that question that I love, but these moments of of feedback that, you know, sometimes they are both a mirror for you in, in what, you know, you need to work on yourself. Um, but I loved your your initial comment, you know, a lot of these things are happening for you. They're not happening um, or, or, you know, putting a, a boundary in the way of your entrepreneurship journey. Often we, we learn these lessons um, through challenging moments. So I really appreciate you sharing that. That is such a great illustration of, of taking a pause and then recalibrating a little bit to align to a better mission vision. Right. Very cool. So how does this connect with some of your community work? I'd love to go into some more detail. Um, you know, you have all of these really incredible charitable initiatives, community support programs. How have you built the business and supported all of these other initiatives um, and align that to your values as well? Walk us through that. For sure. So one of our core values is to leave a legacy. And we just you know, just want to leave things a little bit better than we found them. That's our communities and that's our, our employees through training or through communication. But um, for us, like when we started in a small store in St. Albert, that was 400 square feet. Um, my, my mom didn't know how to speak English at the time and how she would translate with customers when they came in. She had a Vietnamese English dictionary. I can't imagine having a customer come in and you didn't know how to speak their language, but you brought out a dictionary and you communicated to them that way. And I just thought, like, I knew in that moment that, I, like, I know customers have something we don't have. They have choice. Mm. And they choose to come into our stores. And for them to choose in to come into our store, like a small store that didn't have a lot of jewelry um, compared to anybody else, that was, like, a true honor and a privilege. And, like, I always say to our team, we are here because the community choose to support us. They can go anywhere. So that's why it's important for us to give back. So... Um, one of the charities that we work with quite a bit is um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Canada. Like They're also um, formerly known as the Children's Wish Foundation. They do so much and they bring joy to um, little kiddos' lives that are, you know, maybe um, have life-threatening illness or, or might be terminal. And why that resonates with me and people ask me this is my, my daughter was born quite premature. She was about a little bit over three pounds at birth and I was in the hospital with her for a month. So you know, and she's super healthy now. And I feel like super blessed. But I remember in those moments, 
at the hospital holding her thinking, I just need some hope or just one shred of hope or joy. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation does. So to support them is super aligned with um, my experiences and what I've gone through. And um, I've been a part of a wish with them and it's just been very, very incredible. And then we also try to work with a lot of children's focus, um, uh, sorry, women's focus charities, just because our company is 90% women and it really aligns and resonates with us. Amazing. And I love that, you know, you can take a traditional product-based business that is a for-profit entity and still do such incredible community work. I think that's also a great reminder to so many businesses um, that are looking to, to scale or even just start up. There are so many creative ways of doing this to, to um, you know, bring in employee recognition programs or aligning with different um, program partners. Um, there are so many different ways to give back to the community. And, and you're clearly doing some great work across many different uh, groups that may not be traditionally connected to jewelry, uh, which I love that that uh, it does not necessarily go hand in hand in your mind. Yeah, like, thank you so much. And uh, like, we we love doing it. And we love just wowing and delighting people. I think during the beginning of the pandemic, our, um, like our frontline employees and our teachers and nurses, they did such an incredible job, like, like, with everything. So I think we, um, like, our team is so incredible. We talked to some nurses and some teachers and we just did surprise gifting to them just to say mm -hmm. thank you and to honor them. And that for us was really a highlight during um, during this time to really be able to give back. And it, it wasn't a huge piece of jewelry, but it was something just to say thank you. And I think yeah. that when we honor people, it really makes a difference. Mm, I love that. I love that. Of you and your sister or substantial mention of your family heritage. Um, so to you, can you walk our listeners through what that journey has been to be profiling your family heritage more actively um, and why we should all be considering this, you know, as we build our companies and, and as people, how we embed that um, kind of that more human side to things in the businesses that we build? Right. So, you know, we made a very um, conscious decision not to share our story and our faces and our family, just um, just reasons that had to do with, you know, with with racism. It's sorry, it's a little bit hard to talk about, but it's just that that really is what it was. And, you know, we'd had some comments about us not being, you know, like, you know, Canadian because we weren't from here. So just mm -hmm. things like that. So we made that conscious effort. But just a couple of years ago, my sister and I, we really just said, you know, we have to um, just model the behavior we want to see. We we have to share our story because that is how people are going to get to know us and to trust us. And if we can change just one person's perspective of maybe what it's like to move to, you know, to Canada as an immigrant and, and build a business, maybe that's the one person we would have needed growing up. So for us, um, I think it's really important. And we've been become a lot braver with it just for um, because of the support of our team members and our community. But I think it was an important step for us to stand up and say, you know what, we are we are proud to be female. We're proud to be Vietnamese. Um, you know, we're proud of the journey that's gotten us here to really encourage others to share their story because I feel like there's so many other people that go through it. And when we can relate through stories, there is a magic that happens. There's a community that builds. And I think when we're building business, especially these days, it's not about building that business. It's about building that community and the relationship. And I feel like this past year, it's been more important than ever. Mm -hmm. 
Completely agree. And from from your audience, what has been the feedback that you've received from that bold shift? Um, what what has the audience responded with? You know what? It's been so su- supportive, which has been so good because we were a little bit scared at first. Um, but people have been so supportive and they're coming up and they're saying, I, I didn't know that. Like, why wouldn't we support your business? You're local. Um, you know, you're not a huge corporation. You're female owned. They didn't know we had a 90% workforce. So just things like that. I feel like it's been super supportive and I, I'm so um, immensely grateful. I can't even express into words I'm, how grateful I am for the support we've received. Mm, there you go. So listeners, this is your cue to bring your whole selves you know, into your business, that people are searching for community. They're going beyond just looking for a product um, and they're trying to align their values to um, you know, the products that they are purchasing. Like we're seeing this huge shift in consumer behavior now that people have so much more choice, you know, with e-commerce and, uh, you know, COVID has really um, showed an appetite, I think, for people to, um, you know, do a little bit more research around the brands that they're supporting. And if you're bringing your full self, there's there's an incredible opportunity for alignment there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and like in our company, it's just, um, we we like to be really transparent about what we're doing. We like to share um, our failures. We like to share um, the things that we're excited about. So we we tend to share those things and we've been received, like it's it's been really, really good feedback. We don't do everything right for sure. We do make mistakes, but when we do, we say, okay, I'm sorry, this was a mistake and this is how we're gonna grow and learn from it. And I think that that um, has been really great for us also to hold ourselves accountable in how we're running our business too. Mm. Love that. Um, another way that you're bringing in heritage into the forefront of the brand um, and using it for that positive change is through the Asian Heritage Hope Set. Um, tell our listeners what this is um, and the inspiration behind it. So this piece was um, just inspired by my sister and I and our company wanting to make a difference against um against racism. So we designed the set and it's called the Asian Heritage Hope Set and it's a necklace and earrings and 100% of the proceeds went to Stop AAPI Hate and um, the Asian Solidarity Fund. So just in Canada and the US. And I designed the piece um, very specifically. It's the shape of a it's a shape of a hexagon. So all interior angles and sides of a hexagon are equal. And that's the way that I believe that people should be treated. Um, regardless of our differences or our backgrounds. And the stone is a rose quartz. It's my daughter's favorite color and mm. also um, known to be the universal um, stone of love. And I just believe that we need so much love in this world. And that for us is we wanted to stand up and we wanted to say, you know what, we're proud of our heritage. Um, we want to share stories and really encourage people to share the stories of how racism affected them growing up and how we can make a difference. And we are so proud of this campaign. We launched it during Asian Heritage Month and also launched it on May 4th, which was my mama's birthday, um, to honor her journey because I feel like she's gone through so much to get us to where we were today. Oh, chills. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that. And and using jewelry to set, um, you know, such a symbolic, um, you know, piece to such an important topic. I love this hexagon component and, you know, such thoughtful design that um, speaks volumes to, I think, what our country and the world needs right now in so many ways. Um, so thanks. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. I love that. Thank you. So any final takeaways uh, that you want to leave our audience with? You've provided a lot of helpful pieces of advice. Um, Are there potentially any other resources that helped you along the way Um, or anything that you want to leave our listeners to for them to implement into their businesses? 
you know, I, I think that I'm I'm a huge believer in making data-driven decisions. You know, I, I listen to my heart as well, but I want to base it on data to kind of lead me in the right way, right? Um, and the other thing that we say a lot in our company is what's written is real. Um, we are huge believers in writing things down to clearly communicate. Um, and that has helped us so much along the way. And to share those written documents with everybody, it just gets everybody so aligned and working towards the same things. So data and and what's written is real. <laughs> I love that. That's a first. I don't think anyone said that uh, before on the Startup Women podcast. I love that. That's going to be my sticky note of the day. What's written is real. What a great <laughs> reminder. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us in the Startup Women podcast. Ciao. Uh, we can't wait to see Paris Jewelers continue to expand, supporting all of these various initiatives. Um, it is incredible to hear your story today. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.